Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We don't know anything apart from God's grace. It's all God's grace. And that's why Paul encourages them and says, don't forget to continue in his grace. And you can't add anything to his grace. You know, we, 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 again, the introduction, and then we leave grace. Listen, you can't add anything to God's grace. We try to add something to grace, and thus we feel some kind of justified, some way of being justified in our salvation because we add something to grace. You know, it's almost like grace plus church membership equals salvation. Grace plus tithing equals salvation. Grace plus hymns and no drums in the church equals salvation. We try to add stuff to it. Listen, here's the equation. I wasn't that good at math. In school, I was terrible at math. I'll never forget, I refused to learn my multiplication table. <laughs> my mama said, you're going to learn them, 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 them multiplication table. I'm, I'm saying to her, yes, ma'am. Inside, I'm thinking, no, I'm not. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about saying, man. You know you do. I ain't doing it. I refused. And finally, you know, after, you know, 47 whoopings, I gave in <laughs> and uh, I learned them. But here's a multiplication, here's, a, here's an equation for you that, that you should never forget. Grace plus zero equals salvation. You understand? If you can't remember that, you write it down. Grace plus nothing equals salvation. You can't add anything to God's grace. God saved you because he loved you. God saved us because he loved us first. He loved me first? Yeah, he loved us first. You know, there's a guy by the name of Josiah Condor, and he was a theologian. He wrote these awesome, awesome words in 1836, and I thought they were so wonderful. I wanted to put them up for you. 1836, he he said this, "'Tis not that I did choose thee, for, Lord, thou that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee. Hast thou not chosen me? My heart owns none before thee. For thy rich grace I thirst. This knowing, if I love thee, thou must have loved me first. Don't you love that? Some of y'all know Jacob. Tends here at the church. And uh, yesterday I was preparing my sermon and I, uh, I read him that. And if you know Jacob, you'll understand this. I read him that, and uh, Jacob said, now, Pastor Rodney, that's real. (laughs) 
He started doing all this. That's real. That's real. I said, you know, that is real. God loved us first. Grace is not the introduction to Christianity. It's all of Christianity. And I really am amazed. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm amazed at how legalistic we become after we have been a Christian for some time. I'm amazed at how legalistic people are in the church and how it's kind of amazing that, you know, when you become a Christian, all of a sudden it seems that we get like spiritual amnesia. And we forget where we came from. We forget that we weren't born Christians. Not unless your last name is Christian. But we forget that we weren't born Christians. We forget how much in the dark we really were. We forget how sinful we were. We forget that we used to swear and curse. I mean, honestly, you know, I'm talking to this guy at the gym and he's just going on and on and on. Honestly, I mean, I'm joking around with him. But you know what? Hey, that's fine. That's real. If that's real for you, that's real for you. I cannot expect a non-Christian to act like a Christian. And likewise, you cannot expect a new Christian to act like a mature Christian. So we start forgetting. We start forgetting the fact that, you know, we once cursed like them too. Don't say amen. You know, it took us time to grow. And what happens is we've been a Christian for 20, 30 years or whatever, and now we're this kind of old, crusty Christian, and we expect everybody to be holy like we are today, not realizing that, that we are where we are today 30 years later. It took us time to get there. It's going to take them time to get there. You can't expect a person to just be walking with the Lord for a couple of years to do everything right. They've, they've got the flesh to deal with, and we have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And sometimes it takes time to kill the flesh. But as long as they're working on it, then that's good. And that's got to be okay. But we forget and we expect people, immature Christians, or we expect the world, and we focus on such stupid things when we become mature Christians. We focus on stuff that who cares? You know why? Well, I can't believe what they were in the church. Well, look at the color of their hair. Well, I can't believe it. They've got a big ring through their nose. Okay, so it was as distracting, but still, they've got, they got like a bone through their nose. I mean, oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh, they, well, look at those jeans they're wearing in the church. Look at what they're wearing. You know, the first question, and you can relate, the first question that people ask when you invite them to church one of the first questions they ask is what? What do I wear to your church? Isn't that true? Can I get a witness? What do I wear? You know what one guy asked me? What, you, what do I wear to your church? I said something. Be a blessing. Cover it up. Hallelujah. Woo, cover that. That's all I'm saying. Who cares what you wear to church? Who cares what you wear to church? We don't care what you wear to church. You see, because when you come to church, the reason why we don't care what you wear to church is because when you get here, it's not about you. It ain't all about, nobody cares what you wear. 
Wear whatever you want. Come in with a suit, that's all good. Come in with jeans, that's all good. Wear what you want because when you get here, nobody's going to be looking like, oh, man, I can't believe what look what they're wearing. We're going to be like, man, Jesus, we're trying to put on praise. We're trying to worship the Lord. We don't care what you wear. And when you have an environment where people come like that, then they feel loved. Then they feel accepted. We get so caught up in the stupidest things. You know, one preacher told this true story. Listen close. Told this true story. And, and he got his point across as he said this. He said, in the hour it takes me to preach this sermon, 250,000 people across the country will have died not knowing Jesus Christ and going to eternal destruction. And then he said, and most of you people don't give a damn. And then he said, and you are shocked because I said the word damn and not shocked that I said 250,000 people are going to hell. Isn't that true? I mean, I can see it in your eyes right there. When I just read this, y'all were like, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, my God. Oh, the pastor, he in a pulpit cussing. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Irregardless to the fact that I just told you that 250,000 people are going to hell. Isn't it amazing that we leave the important things to focus on the things that really Really, don't matter. Don't misunderstand me. I am not encouraging profanity. Amen. You know, when you're a preacher, you got to be careful what you say. Folks will go out there and say, oh, the preacher told us we could, we could cuss. I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did not say that, okay? And if you heard me say that, you heard the wrong thing. Amen. You know, the things that shock us are the tiny rules. The theological hair splittings, and we miss the bigger picture. The tiny things. Can a Christian drink a glass of wine? People ask Pastor Rodney, can a Christian drink a glass of wine? I'm like, well, you know, I guess they can. I wouldn't encourage you to drink the whole bottle. <laughs> if you drink the whole bottle, you have a problem. You know, can a Christian dance? <laughs> what I say, y'all? Some can and some can't. That's right. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. We were at the at the uh, at the uh, pastors' conference. I'm not pastors' conference. Lord Jesus, help me. We were we at the marriage conference. We at the marriage conference, and we had our little banquet that, that evening, and it was fun, and, and people were dancing, and and it was it was really fun. And, and some people were dancing, and, and then some people were out there doing something. I didn't know what that was, but, you know, I, 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 they doing a limbo. I don't know what that was, but okay, fine. And they were doing a soul train line, as I'm told. I wasn't there for that reason, for that time. And, 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 and it was just a fun time. And, guys, it was godly. It was okay. Where do we get all these? You understand I'm talking about theological hair splitting. And I'm talking about things that really do not matter, things that God is not concerned about. God is concerned that we continue in what? Grace. God is concerned that people are getting saved. Saints, we got to get free. I guess that's what I'm just trying to say. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. We just need to get free. Because Jesus said, to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if we could just get free, of all the things that don't matter. God is concerned that people get saved. 
God is concerned that people are growing in grace. God is concerned that people are walking in the spirit. God is concerned about loving him and serving him and spending time with him. God isn't concerned with what you wear and whether you dance or you don't. All of these other little extemporaneous things that really do not matter. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in holiness. Amen. Amen. We're to walk in purity. Amen. I'm not saying go out there and set it up. I'm saying walk in love and walk in purity and walk in freedom. And to the person who would say to me, well, I have the grace to do whatever I want to do and live any way I want to live. I would say that person does not even near understand grace. Because when you understand grace, you understand that you have the freedom not to. You have the freedom not to. You're not bound by anything. Because to whom the sun set free. When you understand grace. So Paul encouraged them to continue in grace. Now, did they? Did they continue in grace? No, they didn't. I'll tell you, in your own time, you need to read. I don't have time to go there. I want to, but I don't have time. Look at Galatians chapter 1, in your own time. Promise me you're going to read it. All right. Well, at least, least, least 395 of y'all didn't lie. Okay, good. Five of y'all said you would. Okay. Galatians chapter 1 will tell you very clearly that they, because this area of Antioch, Presidia, is in the region of Galatia. You got to understand that the book of Galatians is not written to a church, it's written to a region. It's written to a territory with many churches within that territory. So Paul the apostle writing to the church of Galatia, they would read the letter, they read the letter to, to Galatia, and then they would pass it around to various churches. So in the region, in the territory of Galatia, they didn't continue in grace because they got caught up in legalism. And that's why the book of Galatians is written, because the people got caught up in legalism. Now, notice in verse 44 in your Bibles, the whole city is stirred up in Acts 13. The whole city is stirred up. They came out to hear the word of God. And when the Jews heard about it, they saw the numbers of people. They were jealous and they began to contradict and blaspheme and to speak against the truth. And how sad is that? The Jews start to see the success of the word of God and they begin to speak against it. And then Paul and Barnabas, the Bible tells us in verse 46 that they grew bold and they said, it is necessary that the word of God should be spoken. I had you underline it to you first. Why did he say that in your margins? Write this Romans chapter one, verse 16 tells us, told them that the gospel of Jesus Christ was to go to the Jew first. Okay? So they said, hey, it was necessary that the word of God should go to you first in obedience to Romans 1.16. But since or seeing you have rejected, and ju- rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we're now going to the Gentiles. Notice they have rejected it and they've judged themselves worthy, unworthy of eternal life. How many times have I heard people say, if God is a God of love, then how can he send people to hell? How many times have we heard that? Have you ever heard it? I've heard it. That's not right. 
God is a God of love, but God has never sent anyone to hell. Never. No, not ever. He's never sent anyone to hell. People send themselves there. Why? Because they judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life. You see, when you reject Christ, you're judging yourself unworthy. Jesus died for the sins of the world. If anyone would call upon his name, they shall be saved, the Bible says. So you have the choice to receive what you hear or reject what you hear. Well, then notice in verse 48 through 52 as we wrap it up. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And underline this, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews, they stirred up the devout and the prominent women and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they did what Jesus told them to do. They shook off the dust from their feet against them. And they came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with what, saints? Joy. And with what? The Holy Spirit. Now, listen quickly. Got a few moments. When the Gentiles heard, give me your attention, it's very important. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many, notice in your Bibles in verse 48, as many as were appointed, or in the new King Jimmy, it says, ordained to eternal life, believe. Verse 48, listen is an interesting verse, and it stumbles people because it deals with the doctrine of election. It stumbles people because it deals with the sovereignty of God. That means God does whatever he wants. He rules, he reigns, he's sovereign. He's independent. It deals with the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. It deals with the doctrine of election. Now, in case you don't know, The doctrine of election teaches that God chose, listen, that God chose, ordained, appointed you to be saved before you were born. Before you were in your mother's womb, you had a chance. You, God chose you. When you were, before you were in your mother's womb, God knew these things. And God chose you before you were born. And had a chance to be the good person that you are. God chose you. God elected you. God ordained you. Remember Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And ordained you to bear fruit. The doctrine of election. Now, I have to admit that the doctrine of election is difficult to understand and explain. Someone once said this, if you try to explain election, you'll lose your mind. But if you try to explain it away, you'll lose your soul. I like that. You see, God chose you. But at the same time, the Bible teaches whosoever will, let them come. So which is it, Rodney? Well, I think it's both. It's both. God has chosen people before the foundation of the world. And yet, man does have a responsibility to make a decision and to come to Christ. 
And so the argument always arises when you talk about this doctrine of election. The argument always arises. Well, if God chose some and didn't choose others, then how do I know if I'm chosen? People always ask that question. If God chose some and didn't choose others, then how do I know if I'm chosen? Well, I just ask them, hey, do you want to be saved? They say yes. I say, good, you're chosen. <laughs> so hard about that. You want to be saved? No. Well, then you're not chosen. It's as simple as that. We do know that the Bible is very, very clear that God doesn't desire that any man be lost. Amen, saints? But that all should be saved. You know, I got to agree with uh, D.L. Moody. He said this, listen, he said, I'm sure glad that the Lord chose me before I was born because I don't think he would have chose me after I had done some living. <laughs> Amen. Amen, saints. I just thank God I'm chosen. I'm saved. You know, I read you this story some time ago, and if you wouldn't mind, indulge me because I, I, I love this story as it relates to this whole doctrine of election. Listen to this. A young black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, who wanted to join a conservative fundamental church. And the elders asked him, they, they said, how did you get saved? And he answered, well, I did my part. and God did his part. Well, the elders thought they had him. So they asked him, well, what was your part? And what was his part? And the boy replied, well, my part was sinning. I ran from God as fast as these rebellious legs would take me, and my sinful heart would lead me. I ran from him, but you know, he done took out after me, and he done run me down. <laughs> Don't you love that? I think that's deep theology, man. That is deep. This boy completely understands grace and the doctrine of election. God chose us. God done run me down. I know he ran me down. I wasn't looking for him. People go, oh, I'm so glad you found God. You hear somebody say that to you? Oh, well, oh, it's all condescending. It's like, oh, I'm so glad you found God. I'm like, shoot, I didn't find him. And he wasn't lost. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well. God's word is spreading like wildfire in our text. But the Jews stirred up these devout and honorable women and they shook the dust off their feet. Just remember Jesus said, go into a town, they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. That's what they did. They're following what Jesus would do. And then the disciples in verse 52, as we close, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Saints, I have written in my Bible. You should write it in yours. Joy and the Holy Spirit are twins. They're twins. They go together. They go together. If you're filled with the Spirit, then you have joy. I don't understand Christians that don't have joy. I don't understand it. I don't understand Christians that are just so glum and gloomy. And they don't have joy. And the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, goodness, patience, temperance, against such there is no law. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If a person wants to prove to me that they are filled with the Spirit, it matters not to me how much you speak in tongues. People want to tell you they're filled with the Spirit and they shut in the law. 
Hallelujah. I want to speak. To prove to you they're filled with the Spirit. I'm not interested in that. And neither is God. Proof that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is, number one, let me see some love. Secondly, let me see some joy. All right, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. God does. And no matter what you go through, God wants you to have joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. You hold your head up. And you put a smile on your face. And you allow God to work out your situation. You can't fix it. You can't change things in your life, but God can. So why be sad? Why not hope thou in God? Why not put your faith and your trust in him? And then say, Lord, the joy of the Lord today in my storm will be my strength. The disciples were filled with joy. Remember, they just got kicked out of a city. I don't imagine that they just kind of drove them up to the edge of the border in a taxi and told them, now, you guys, get on about yourselves. <laughs> kind of Michael Jackson-ish. <laughs> guys, get on about yourselves. Wasn't like, like, get out of here, you heretics. Get out of here. They're throwing stones at them and... With stuff. It wasn't pretty. The Bible says they were filled with joy because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.